Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast, brought to you by Hunt, Lift, Eat Official. I'm Carter, back with the boys. The boys I haven't seen in a million years. I'm back with Evan and good old Ron Jitter. What's going on, fellas? I'm living the childless dream over here. <laughs> yeah, it looks like you're eating ice cream out of a Yeti mug or something. It's a smoothie, dude. I got, I'm, this is Hunt, Lift, Eat. We don't eat ice cream. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Tell that to Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The childless, the childless dream, man. It's good so far, man. I'm just trying to buy all my hunting toys. You know what I mean? Like get all my, uh, do all the dream hunts before. I mean, I don't know. You guys got kids and you're doing it, but I'm sure it's easier when you're childless. Takes a little more budgeting it's, and a little more. I, I will say this: find a woman that's okay with it. That's the ticket. Yeah, that's the the then the then the kids aren't as much of an issue. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing I'm doing pretty well so far. I got to make sure that the doors close before I say this too loud. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I've already I've already set the stage, dude. I'm like, listen, nothing takes priority over hunting. Christmas doesn't matter until we have kids. Like Christmas isn't even a holiday if there's a yeah. hunting season. Yeah. yeah, that's why we got married in February. Yeah, it's like, it, it like literally it's nothing. I, huh? I literally told Taylor the same things, and the door is open. I'm sure she can hear me. She's reading in the bedroom. But, uh, yeah, we we definitely had that conversation early on, like in our relationship. Of like, listen, it's it's the kind of thing like I never want to have to pick you know what i mean i don't want to have to choose please don't ever put me in that situation she's been great <laughs> she's absolutely awesome so i've been trying to take her on date nights this turkey season and stuff and bought her some flowers took her out to a nice dinner put on a tie you know what i mean yeah before, before <laughs> the before the turkey opener try to butter that's, her up a little bit true you do you do need to put in some work beforehand yeah uh, to earn, and then to during bank, the season you know bank some to, points for sure yeah. you got to check in yeah, it's gonna tell him too, man. I remember like when we first started dating, she's like, you know, tell me how much she loved me and everything. And I'm like, listen, you have not met hunting season Jonathan yet, so we gotta pump the brakes a little bit. Because yeah. <laughs> you're not I'm gonna be a ghost. And like That's you know funny. what I mean? You gotta like I know this is like nowhere close to what we're supposed to be talking about on this podcast, yeah. but this is know, actually really good. If anybody out I mean, there is still perfect. single, you have it's to perfect. lay the groundwork because like yeah. If you're as passionate about it as we are, it can really fuck up your relationship. It can. I told <laughs> I told one of my good buddies, Dan, like he got recently married and all of a sudden he's like not going to open in days and stuff. And mm. I'm, just like, I'm like, dude, I said, listen, brother, I'm not trying to tell you how to live in your relationship. I'm not. I said, but <laughs> I said, but at the same time, if you, if you don't like, if you give in every time and it, it I don't even know how to say this like without sounding like an ass. It's not about giving in, in my opinion. You should it shouldn't be something you have to give in on, you know? Like it should be like a give and take. Like I, and that's like Taylor is so awesome because she like she's like, dude, I I never want to prevent you from doing something that you enjoy. You've been doing this before I met you. Why would I want to be the thing that prevented you from happiness? You know what I mean? And like I told my buddy Dan, I was like, dude, you you gotta you, yeah, man. You, you got to tell him up front. Right? Listen, yeah, you, you I am addicted to something that's legal, and like yeah. if you <laughs> keep me from it, I'm gonna resent you eventually. Maybe not yeah. now. Yeah, but it's gonna build. That's it's true. Funny. Taylor, I sent her a meme. Have y'all seen the meme? And it's uh, it's this guy at like a dinner table, and he's all he's clearly in the middle of like an exciting story, and his wife has just given him this blank look, 
and it says my wife putting up with another turkey story. I sent it, <laughs> I, I sent it to Taylor and she says, I can relate. And I said, just be glad it's not meth. You know, my obsession is turkeys and not, <laughs> not meth or, you know, hookers or something crazy. <laughs> not less expensive, but definitely more legal yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> definitely more legal. Yeah. Yeah, dude, yeah. you got to set the groundwork. Also, like if you're as obsessed with it, with hunting as like the three of us are like, Robin understands that it makes me a better person. I like yeah. if I get to go out and spend time in the woods, I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband. I'm better at work. I'm better at yeah. home. Like it's yeah, part it's of really the therapeutic. It really is. And dude, Taylor got a firsthand seat to that. Cause I mean, y'all, y'all kind of know of the shit year I had the last, well, the last year and a half, I guess, you know, kind of coming out of that now, dude, if I wouldn't have had hunting season, I would have been in a spiral of depression that I would not have been able to get out of. For real. Like like those mornings in the woods during that absolute year of hell was, was what kept it together, you know, along with a supporting friends and family group. But I mean, it's, it is therapeutic. It truly is. It's the cornerstone. So we know in the Turkey woods. Yeah. My, my Instagram feed has turned from, Nothing from but the occasional porn star and gobblers getting smoked. <laughs> Life's about balance, dude. <laughs> you no, know, dude, I was just talking to my fiance about that. I'm like, I don't know how this like the marketing on these social media things is it's crazy, man. Because like, I don't even really, I don't even follow that money hunting websites. Like, my Instagram's pretty tame. It's like my friends and well, I got the one now for for HLE, but like my for you page, it must just track like what it must just show you stuff that your friends like you know what i mean because i just get like like i said the random like homely fans chicks and then just straight hunting stuff and it's like it it has changed with the season and now i used to see you know during the fall i was watching all all these bow hunting videos of deer and now it's just turkey 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 it's crazy also because like this is the first year my season's already open and i I just finished actually so I, i tagged out and I'm watching all these dudes all these videos like counting down you know like opening weekends next weekend can't wait and i'm like man I forgot what it feels like to hunt in like May. Yeah. Because yeah. it's funny. It's just early. We were actually talking more. about this at work. We were doing an experiment. We like everyone and I don't have social media anymore, but uh, everyone in my platoon, we were just sitting in the office kind of BS and, and uh, someone brought it up and was like, everyone pull out your YouTube app and just like, look at what's on people's recommended watch. And every single recommended for you on my YouTube was deer hunting, turkey hunting, smallmouth bass fishing, or like <laughs> DIY projects around the house. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and they were, everyone was giving me shit because like Evan has got the cleanest YouTube. <laughs> you know, one of my buddies, <laughs> one of my one of my guys, his was like, you know, all these fucking crazy rap videos and people twerking and shit. And <laughs> it's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> He's married with like four girls too. You know? He's got four daughters. It's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, dude. Have you ever caught a smallmouth bass? Like, what are you even talking about? This isn't even a conversation. Yeah. That should be your thing. You had my favorite quote I've heard in a long time this week, John, when you said my least favorite hunting season is over after you tagged out. Oh, dude, I hate it so much. I can't stand it. Dude, tell That's me why you true. hate it. Why you do you hate know, that? You know he's lying, Carter. You've heard him talk about this before. He's, he's No, dude, because listen, you got – what are the other animals you got? Like deer is probably your best tasting and like biggest bang for the buck. Especially if you start bow hunting, you get some crazy like adrenaline in there. 
Biggest bang for your buck, I, for sure. I get yeah, that. I would, I would say so. As far as like I, the meat output, you know. Yeah, man. Waterfowl is is like this, or like redneck golf. It's social. It's same with like upland hunting, right? Like you're just like bullshitting with the boys and walking through the woods. Not, you know what I mean? Um, predator hunting, I don't do a whole lot of, but it's kind of like hog hunting, right? Like that's when you get to try out all your cool new tactical gear and like throw on some nods, or you know what I mean lasers and like go shoot pigs at night or just like shoot them over bait whatever i mean you guys were shooting them out of golf carts you know what i mean a couple <laughs> months ago just broing with the boys turkey hunting is just mosquitoes poison plants birds that won't gobble rain you're freezing cold in the morning and hot at, by, by noon That's and if true. you hunt public land by like i do there's 87 trucks driving around it's fucking miserable but the payoff. My thermosel broke because it's so humid down here. Opening morning, dude. <laughs> Clicked the thermosel on. It worked for about 15 minutes and went out. And I was like, what is going on? I'm on Google. Obviously, there's nothing gobbling because it's opening day. And even though I scouted six days in a row and found 12 birds, there's 35 people driving around right through the middle of fields. You know what I mean? Within within an hour of the sun coming up. Thermosel's down. So I'm just on Google like, dude, I need to fix this or I'm not. There are so many bugs down here in Southern Louisiana that I will, there's no chance I can sit still when a, if a bird comes in here. So like, this is, this is key task. Number one, never got it up. So to go back to the truck and just spray myself with off. I can honestly say I've never experienced the mosquito hill except for deer hunting. I have not lived at turkey hunting. I did. Deer yeah. Hunting it's still kind of cold enough up there in Virginia at the oh, beginning, yeah. I, mean, I guess. I mean, and, you're, and you're like mountainous, right? Like I'm yeah. hunting in a, in a swamp. Dude. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like Louisiana, that is, I think when people think mosquitoes, it's like Louisiana. That's what you think of. Yeah. So that, that's, I guess that's the, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm interested on your guys' opinions, but like, I, there's a bit well, of an adrenaline dump when you have a gobbler coming in, you know, but, and, and like, I, I still do it. I do it every year. I, I hunted like 11 days straight or I hunted or like scouted for hours uh, every day until I tagged out. And, but that's just because I love hunting. It's not necessarily because I love turkey hunting. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> turkey hunt is not it for me. Something to Dude, do. I, yeah, I, I don't understand that, bro. I don't because, like, for me, I would give up deer hunting right now if I knew. I was telling my uncle this this past weekend. I would give up deer hunting right now if I knew that I could turkey hunt successfully. And I don't mean like harp tag out every year. I just mean if I am interacting with birds every year between now and when I die, I would give up every other thing that I pursue and only hunt turkeys for the rest of my life. Yeah. And to be fair, like I've been, I've been holding on to that sentiment for like a decade and I, I think I've gotten better at turkey hunting. So maybe like, maybe I don't feel that strongly now, but, but then I think about the other things and I'm like, man, I don't, Maybe I don't despise it the way I used to, but it's still not my favorite. It's nowhere close. Yeah. yeah. I like the interaction, man. And I think for me, it's because I didn't start turkey hunting until my adult life. You know, this is only my fourth year of seriously turkey hunting. I mean, John, you took me turkey hunting for the first time, if you remember that. Yeah. And, and like I went with my dad. My dad was a little older when he brought me out. I started going when I was 12. And that yeah. ended up with me just going alone. And, and so I was, ter- I, I, I was self-taught and I, I knew nothing. And I spent, yeah. I, I didn't shoot a turkey for like seven years. <laughs> yeah. And I was out there down south. So that's probably part of my hate for this for turkey hunting. Yeah. Well, the other and thing that, that can easily make it your favorite or not favorite, right, is like 
like watching you over the last two years, Evan, since I've known you, you've, you've figured it out over the last two years. Yeah. And that I think is the most, it will, whatever species, whether it's a fish or game animal that you're chasing, once you kind of achieve that level where you're like, Oh, I love pursuing this thing. This is fun. Or, and then you get to the, like that mastery level where you're like, I can, I can fucking kill turkeys that instantly it's going to jump up to like your highest of highs. Like John, can crush well john you're one of the best hunters i know but like you crush ducks because you've put in the time and you've kind of figured them out and like i understand that satisfaction behind whatever that game species is yeah true i mean i I really like the social aspect of duck hunting but i mean like you said i mean i i struggled with turkey hunting when i started evans turkey for two years and shot already probably half the birds that i have in, in 10 years so <laughs> four years but yeah <laughs> yeah but you put in an insane amount of like you study meticulously evan i do and it's and that, i was talking to perry about this like there's something about it like it's just it's a full-blown obsession you know like i can't i can't get enough of turkey war like i love the culture i love the stories you know what i mean like i love the old timer and I love the tradition. I, I think for me, like I've, I've become obsessed with the culture, which is kind of um, added to that fuel to the fire for me. Uh, for and and then I have, like you say, Carter, I have been successful. You know, if if it would have been four years of not killing a bird, then I might not feel the same. But I have been extremely fortunate, and with my success, you know, I've killed seven birds in four years. You know, and so like it, it's. It's been good. And I'm, I am, dude, I am hooked. Hooked is, is not even come close to compare what I am with turkey hunting. <laughs> How many can you kill there? Uh, you can two. kill, you can kill three in Virginia and two in North Carolina. And I'm hunting both this year. So, so I got to ask, cause I've been having this internal debate and I, like I said, I tagged out this year already and I, I was happy pretty much till I got home and I was cleaning it and I was like, man, I have been telling myself for years that if I shoot a Tom early first week or two, I will spend the rest of the season with a bow and I haven't, and I didn't do it this year. Um, and I now tagged out and I'm kind of upset. So now next year, I don't know if I'm at the point right where I'm taking a bow out on opening day. Cause that's at least not without a blind. Cause I, and I, and I just hate the dude, the blind thing is not for me. Cause then it's just like deer hunting and I'm just, I got to move. I kind of got like ADHD, you know, 15 minutes and I'm out. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of agree. But when's the bow coming out? Cause you me, already got one this year, right? So yeah, like what's honestly, you thought about it? If, if I ever do, yes, I have, but it goes back to, it goes back to the tradition and the culture behind it. There's something about using an open sight shotgun and like the bird I killed this year, I didn't use any decoys. It was just a mouth call and me. And ended up calling in three from three different directions and had three very mature toms within 15 yards of me. At the same time? Di- yeah, it was insane. It was the most intense hunt I've ever had in my life. And we'll tell that story in a minute. But like, dude, it I mean it and like that that aspect. And like you say, hunting if if I ever do hunt turkeys with a bow, it will not be from a blind. And I'm not opposed to blinds. Like we have a pop-up blind set up. But I don't want to, I don't know how to say, I don't want to ambush turkeys, you know, like I'll never, I'll never kill a turkey from a vehicle. I'll never kill a turkey with a rifle. I'll never 
bait turkeys, you know, and with deer, I don't care. And I don't know why other than like the old school and reading all these old turkey hunters books and stories and listening to them and like the tradition behind it. And I, and I see guys and it's not a judgment. I really am not judging. I'm really not. It's just my take. Like I'll never use the fans or the, you know, and go walking up on one. Cause it, it takes, for me, it takes the joy out of it. Like that hunt this past weekend, I mean, it was all day. I shot that bird at 1145 and noon is the cutoff, you know, and like it, it was a morning of working my ass off. And like, I don't, I, I don't know. There's something extremely satisfying for me because you, y'all, you both have been to the cabin. It's not hard to kill a deer at our farm. You know what I mean? It's just not. If you can't kill a deer at our farm, you should, you have no business hunting at all. You just don't <laughs> like both. Yeah, or like, or or yeah. Like you, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, you can tag out and on opening day, if it would be legal to kill that many, if you wanted to rifle season, but I don't know. So that's what it is for Turkey, Turkey hunting and like using a bow. I would use a bow, but I wouldn't sit in a blind if I was going to do it. I would wait. Yeah, until I agree. I, I, got, I, I want to be behind a tree. You know what I mean? Where that yeah. thing can see me draw. And I gotta wait till it, you know what I mean? It's yep. behind his tail or whatever. I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to beat the turkey if that makes sense. Every turkey I kill, I want to beat the turkey. I don't want to get lucky. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that analogy makes sense, but yeah, no, I feel the exact same way. Sense. But it's obviously, as you can imagine, or and I've never done it, and never been anybody that's done it. But I almost busted one this year with a shotgun. You know, it's like how do you, how do you draw a bow and kill one? It's got to be. Yeah, and that's well, why but, I, I've been hesitant to do it the, could you have killed your killed second one john could you have killed your second one with the bow in your setup if you just had a different weapon no i probably could have killed the first one actually but the second one no i was covered up in hens and i no i almost spooked i, I almost scared the hens off at one point because he hung up behind a log for four minutes at 20 yards with just his head covered <laughs> we'll tell that story in a minute oh man <laughs> Well, let's jump into the stories. You want to, Carter? I do. I just want to say real quick, I disagree with both of you. I'm way too op- opportunistic. I will shoot any fucking Jake that walks in front of me. I'll sit in a blind. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> Trust me. I know. I've witnessed it. <laughs> I will shoot any fucking turkey. I don't, you know, no judgment here. All turkeys. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, like, I, I shot a bunch of Jakes when I... Like I probably went from twelve to eighteen without shooting a turkey, and that every year after that I started shooting jakes, and now I just started getting picky, like you know, three or four years ago. So you got some time of you got some frustration to let out on some jakes before you gotta (laughs) consider making the turn. Well, I told Perry we were talking about that, you know, Carter, because I mean, we killed we killed six birds on our farm last year. We had and and it is noticeable. It is noticeable this year. There's not as many birds. Like I mean, it's it's a over four hundred acre farm, but still, when you kill. When you kill six males, yeah, that's a lot. Like that's, I didn't realize that's, you guys killed six. Yeah, I killed three, and then <laughs> Carter and some other guys killed some, and so um, it, it. Yeah, I mean, we we noticed it, and me and Perry talked about it, and because he was, we were talking like, okay, from now on, we're gonna have to, you know, how we have y'all have both been in the hunt club chat, like um, we have rules for deer, we're gonna have to establish something for turkeys, like because if imagine if. 10 guys are in the hunt club and everyone comes up and everyone kills just one bird, you know, like that's insanity. And so we're going to have to manage the Turkey population as well up there. 
but the Jake conversation came in and, you know, Perry hasn't killed a turkey and we were talking about him. And I was like, dude, in my opinion, for your first turkey, send it. For public land, it's whatever you want. For private land on a piece of property, you're trying to manage the herd like anything else. You have to be selective, you know. Yeah. And if if we just shoot every male turkey we see, we're never going to have any male turkeys. It's kind of like if you shoot every four pointer and six pointer you see, you're never you're never going to get mature bucks. You know, kind of the same principle. So we've For we've sure. definitely had that conversation. I don't judge it. Like if I go if I travel and hunt, I'm. I would absolutely shoot a Jake because it's about the experience. It's about the meat. You know what I mean? It's all that. But on, a, on our private land on peach bottom, I'm, I, my first one was a Jake, but I won't kill a Jake out there anymore. You know, after being fortunate enough to be successful, no judgment to those who do though. Yeah. Well, fortunately you don't have to wait five years for it to mature like a deer, right? <laughs> by yeah, year, hopefully by true. year two, they're at least got a beard yeah. on them. Yeah, for sure. And we, we did well, see some jakes this year, which is promising. That's good. That's good. There's a lot of turkeys on your property, man. That's such a cool property. I love that place. I need to send you all the video, man. I had Perry dialed in this morning, and we do not know what happened to this bird. I mean, it came together exactly how we thought we were going to. We were talking about it, and from a from a hunter's perspective, woodsman perspective, like the strategic, because we, we saw the bird the day before, we watched it for an hour and a half and watched where it was going to roost, set up on it. Everything came together. Everything exactly how we anticipated. It didn't fly off the roost the way we thought it was going to, but it, we, we were patient and we worked it back to us. I mean, it took three hours, but we worked it back to us. And we just we just hung out because he was responsive on the roost to us. And so we just, just waited it out. Sure enough, he came back in. And, dude, he – it is a mature bird and we had a, and this goes back to the conversation we've had on a podcast before, John, we had a strutter out and we think that he just didn't want to fight because he got within at 55, 60 yards. We ended up ranging where he broke off and I got the thing. I got the whole thing on video. I'll send it to you guys after the podcast. He breaks off and goes up into the cutover and just didn't come into the decoys. He came in on a rope responding to the calls, worked him for about 20 minutes, calling him in. Once he, once he got responsive after, you know, three hours after he was flew off the roost and it was maybe 20, 30 minutes. I, I worked this bird and called him in and then he got at 60 yards and broke off and didn't come the rest of the way. No idea why, except for the strutter. It's the only thing we could figure you out. Yeah, full strutter. Yeah. I mean, I mean, who knows, right? It's a wild animal, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. he could have just got beat up yesterday. Yeah. And we, we had that conversation. I, I I have no clue. The only other thing I could think of is I told like the sun was shining where we were sitting and Perry's gun, it's black and it shines in the sun. It's the only other thing I could think of is, but I, I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of birds killed with black guns, but I don't know. Yeah, man, I don't, I, it's, Luke asked me, and this was last year at a turkey season. We did the, we did the podcast and uh, talked decoy setups and, I'm not, there's no right answer. You just gotta, you just gotta keep getting in the woods and trying different stuff. And like the time of year, I think matters. We had a, a turkey doc on and he was talking about, you know, whenever, whatever, different times of the season of that breeding season, different decoys will be uh, more effective. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a sec, but like I, I, before the season started, I was reading a bunch of articles and stuff and reading up a lot of the top turkey hunters and what they did in each phase of the 
the turkey season or the mating season, you know, and, and even those pros were different. Some are like, they go out opening day with a full strutter to get, you know, get the aggression in them. Some are going out there with just hands for the first weekend. So it's, you just got to figure out your area, your birds. And I don't, I've had, I've, I've seen that strutter, man. I've seen birds run into that strutter. And yeah. then yeah, absolutely. I've seen the exact same thing like that where they turn and walk away. And I don't know if it's just like you get that one dominant bird who is not going to let anything strut in his area. And you, and then, you know what I mean? He got lucky. And that was the one that was the, do, the, the dominant Tom. Well, it's the same principle where you see guys, um, I've never personally experienced this because I honestly don't use a grunt call much, but sometimes grunting and rattling, I mean, it bucks come running in hotter than if they're trailing a doe in the rut, you know? I mean, they come in charging. And then sometimes you'll grunt at a buck and it causes the exact opposite. He moves out of there. You know what I mean? So it's it's hard to, like you said, John, it's a wild animal. And look at people, you know? You can have a big guy, a big mature man who doesn't want to fight, you know? <laughs> everyone's different. So not what, every, not everyone's aggressive and is looking for the not looking for the spar, I guess. Was that bird alone? No, he ended up he ended up being with two Jakes. And it was crazy because we had we had hens out on either side of us, live hens on either side of us, decoys in the middle. And the hens were far. The hens were the closest one was 100 yards. The other one was probably 200 yards. And then we, so, the bird came in with, and I'm wondering if maybe because one of the hens before the tom went out went up into the woods the direction that tom went, but she wasn't being vocal at all, at all. But if he saw her or something like that, she might have pulled him up there if she was alone. And you know our decoys, we had the strutter out. I don't know. I, I don't have any idea. But he was super responsive to my calls. I mean, super responsive to my calls. Um, and I, like I say, he came in on a rope, flew across the creek to get to us. Y'all seen that creek? It's not small. Um, flew across the creek to get to us, got it 55, 60 yards, and then made a hard right turn. You saw, you just watched the video and went straight up into the cutover. And I don't know. It didn't make sense. Could be getting ganged up on by the Jakes, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can still have a dominant bird, but if there's two or three jakes beating up on him when he's, you know what I mean, <laughs> can't fight three at once. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It was it it sucked. My my heart broke for Perry because we. I mean, he was he was so excited. Yeah, you could yeah. tell. I mean, he he was leaned across me, so like, and I could see his. I could hear him breathing hard. And I could see his gun shaking a little bit. He was all amped <laughs> up. I was pumped <laughs> up, you know, because I thought he was about to kill his first turkey, and I thought I was gonna like call it in for him. I was jazzed, man, but. It, but we, and we actually made a play. We actually, uh, we did the best thing we knew to do. And we, once it went up in the woods, we gave it some time and we beelined and just made a big horseshoe and tried to cut it off. And we ended up getting in front of it and we played with them some more for about another hour. I got them to strike up again, called them into us, but they just didn't, didn't ever come out. Went all the way from there. Y'all both know where that is. That's that blind down below the cactus rock, uh, right on Peach Bottom Creek. Uh, right there at that funnel where it goes down to the spruce field. I know no one listening knows what I'm talking about, but y'all do. Um, and we made a big horseshoe all the way up to the power line, up to the power line where the big rock is, where we dumped the deer carcasses. You know what I'm talking about? We yeah. went all the way up there and headed them off and started playing with them again. And they just never, never gave Perry a shot today. Man, but it was I was fun. really was hoping like, he'd kill one. Dude, really we got as close as you could get without doing yeah. it. I mean, it what time was it too? Was that, was that early morning? 
Well, they were roosting right across the creek from us within 150 yards where we were set up. But then, as I said, he, he pitched down into the neighbor's field up top there, which y'all both experienced that hunting yeah. there. Um, and uh, it was – so he pitched down at about 6.20. This No, 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 I'm sorry, 6.50 this morning. And he gobbled – What time was for sunrise? The, yeah. Uh, six sunrise was um, right. The sun was above the tree line at six fifty one, I think. So like right at sunrise is when he pitched down. Um, That's about what I've noticed. I started taking a lot of notes too from my same. phone just because yeah. I, I forget, you know. And I've noticed right. if it was it clear. It was cl- cl- a little bit of clouds, but dude, he was gobbling his ass off on the roost. But it was sunny. I mean that video. It's sunny. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I've. If it's not basically, if it's not raining or like crazy cloudy, where you know where it stays dark after sunup, I have noticed that they fly down almost right at sunrise, and I'll start yep. hearing my first gobbles half an hour before. And the, on a clear, I was just day. about to say, dude, I called it with on the morning I shot mine with the guys I was hunting with. I was like, they're going to start gobbling at thirty minutes before sunrise, and sure enough, twenty nine minutes before sunrise, when we heard our first gobble. But, but yeah, it was. It ended up being about three hours after the fact. It was a little after nine thirty when. You know, I was just calling intermittently every 15 minutes or so. And then he just responded to one of my um, call sequences there. And then 30 minutes after that first response, he was walking out when that video was. So, I mean, dude, I think it could just be as simple as a, a live hen walking around too. You know what I mean? Like that, you could have a, you could have a $200 decoy or a, a fully taxidermy decoy out there, but you got one that's walking around and actually puffing its feathers out and going into the, whatever little breeding poses that, you know, pre-breeding. I don't know. You know, I got, I got the pre-breeding decoys from AVNX, but I'm, I still look yeah. at it and I'm like, dude, I don't know how this is different than a, <laughs> than a stand up hen. But yeah. the Tom knows apparently, you know what I mean? Like whatever their little social cues are. Yeah. She was ready. Or, I just you know, looked that, at the timestamp on that video. It said nine thirty-five, So yeah, about three hours. Yeah. I noticed him running at one point too, and I had one. I mean, the the bird I watched, the second bird I killed, I watched for probably over an hour. And at one point, he turned and ran away from me, and I didn't. I was like, did that thing see me at 120 yards? <laughs> but then I saw this hen kind of up over this other hill, and they were just, you know, just they're just animals running around yeah, doing their thing. Yeah, and and he was chasing the jakes. That's what he did. Is he? You can't see it in that video, but he like circled the jakes. And I told Perry. Cause Perry thought it was, he was running off and I was like, be patient. They, they were still kind of coming towards us. They just kind of went to the left a little bit. We thought they were going to work behind us and come into the decoys. Cause when we saw him the previous night, he literally walked that rocking logging road right behind that blind, like right behind where that, where we were set up. Um, and we thought he was going to walk the same path and get on the logging road and then come in behind us, which would have sucked because he probably would have busted us, but. It was still a fun morning, man. I mean, anytime you have your your enemy oh, like yeah. that, you know, we had turkeys all around us. We were they were gobbling, they were interacting with us. I mean, it, it it's it's better than not hearing anything and not seeing anything. So it just sucks because I was I was thinking Perry and I were going to get. I thought Perry was going to get a his first bird, and you know, being there with him and sharing that would have been amazing. Well, why don't you tell us about the birds that y'all have killed? The ones you just smashed this week. Y'all have had a hell of a week. You go first, John. You're up. You got two. I'll tell my opening day story. Um, uh, it, it, so I, I told you that 
Terry Young is my least favorite already, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. So sitting at home, I prepped all my stuff, went to go to bed, could not go to bed, man. I was jazzed. I was ready to get in the woods. Um, next thing I know, I'm, dude, I'm not, I think I had been out at work or something. I got home late, but couldn't go to bed like two thirty rolls around. And I'm like, man, I- I'm at the point where I'm like, man, I'm going to, I might sleep through my alarm. So I'm just going to go packed up my stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'll do, I'm like, dude, I, I know where this bird is. And I-, I watched him come out in this field like three days in a row scouting. So I'm like, I'll just go out there. I'll put my decoys out. I'll clear out my little spot three hours before the sun comes up, go back to the truck and I'll take a nap if I can and try to like fend off anybody that's coming in here. So I did it. Man, I also got out there at like four o'clock, you know, um, set up, went back to the truck. I ended up sleeping for like 40 minutes, went back out there. Uh, it was real foggy and then, so no gobbles and I wasn't concerned about it, but you know, I'm hunting on public land and there was no gobble. I knew there were birds in the area, but there's no goblin. And next thing you know, man, there's just people 20 minutes after the sun comes up, there's people driving everywhere. Cause I'm sure everybody was in the woods. No one heard gobbles. They thought their spot was burned and people just started moving, man. And they were driving all around my field. One dude drove through it and I was like, all right, it's time, time to move. So he never came out into the field. And I, I you know, I, I knew that he had roosted right across this field for me three, three days prior. So I wrapped around, there's a little logging trail up there. And then I spent the next three hours walking, calling, walking, calling, getting the truck, driving a couple hundred yards, seeing trucks moving around. Um, and kind of like you were saying with your hunt, it, I, don't, I don't think I killed this bird until close to noon. You can hunt all day here in Louisiana. Um, so I, man, I must've been in my fifth or sixth spot. I was just, I, I drove around to every single pin I had on X of where I had seen a bird throughout the week. And I got to this field where I had seen them. I'd scared them off out of these like logged out pines where there was just like a, a logging trail, like every, they're like 50 yards apart. So there's a bunch. And I'm like, maybe they're just hiding out in here because every single field or like clear cut out here has got a dude or two, you know, with decoys and like calling every 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm, I'm just gonna have to hit the woods. So I'm walking on this logging trail and I get to a T intersection about a hundred yards in, maybe 150 yards from the truck. And this hen takes off and flies towards like this thick Creek. And I'm like, all right, it's probably a pretty decent spot. John, were you hearing a lot of shots that morning? No, 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 no? I did not. I heard, uh, I think I heard one shot the whole morning, but again, man, it got loaded and I, and I knew it. I knew on public, the fields were going to get hit. But I, during my scouting, I didn't see anybody, you know, and I'm like, and I had this field that I set up on was only maybe 200 yards by 50 yards wide. It was up at the, at a dead end on like a dirt road. And I almost missed it in my scouting because it was so, such a small field relative to the rest of them. Um, Is it, are, are you, and you don't have to, I mean, I guess it, it's a big enough area. It wouldn't matter, but are you, are you hunting Fort Polk? Is that where you're hunting? Yes. Yeah. Fort Polk has two areas. They have like a main area and then a, it's really weird. There's a national forest slash WMA that they just lease. Um, but I'm up there and yeah, just, just sadly mistaken, man. There was, it was it covered up. Every field had dudes in it. So I, and I knew that I've seen that and all the other public I've been on, I just thought that maybe this was going to be a secluded field, but it, I'm over it and I'll never hunt a field again, at least until 
three weeks in when, when guys stop hunting because they get bored. Um, so I see this hen fly away at this T intersection and I'm like, um, it's gotta be at least a halfway decent spot. Maybe she's been calling over here. Um, so I slapped the hen decoy down. I also, I've, I've learned that I like to sit, I like to sit downhill and look up. It's a lot more comfortable for me as opposed to being uphill and looking down. Cause I tend to slide off my seat a lot and like your knees are lower. It's like, I feel like there's more movement once the shot comes around as opposed to sitting with the, like the downhill downslope facing behind me. My knees are a lot higher. I can get my shotgun up and there's less movement when it's time to shoot. I agree. And I also, I, I, I you know, when I can, I try to find some like this. I like to sit in real thick stuff. You know, I like to um, thick stuff for like a real big tree behind me. So it was a pretty, the logging area was pretty open. I went down to like this really thick bush and I was sitting behind a, a pine tree, man. It must've been like three inches in diameter, but it was thick. And I had like 10 or 15 degree window up in front of me where I put the decoy on this trail. And I'm like, if, like if a bird came in, it was going to be at 12 yards and I wasn't going to see it until it was at 15, you know, like it, that was it. So I sat down, I hit the slate call, I did some yelps and some cuts I think my gun was still on the ground, man. Like, so my, my thing is I always hit the call and then I I'll pull my gloves out, put my gloves on and then I pull my face mask up. I always, you know, I figure you got at least a, you got at least a couple minutes if anything's around before it comes in. Yeah, I pull my face mask up and I look down to try to find my gun. And I, I must, I don't know if I heard him or saw him. And this thing's at full strut running down the road in my face, 10 yards. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, and all I see is this big beard big old red head and i'm like i am in trouble because my gun's on the ground and the dude, dude that's, that's the dream that's the dream how long after you were in this spot less than a minute oh that is amazing that's you dude, couldn't that the that's thing, the dream i mean so he came from my left and the road went 30 or 40 yards and then bent and that's where the hen had come from so i mean dude the thing must have been i don't know how, I don't know how it didn't see me subbing the decoy out yeah, yeah i mean it must have been at 50 yards so when they, when they make these logging roads, there's like, they, you get like these one foot berms on the side from where they clear like the dirt out. I had put the decoy on the other side of that and I'm down the hill. So he, dude, he's at full strut. It's a little thick. He can't, and it, he's off to my left still a little bit. And I'm like, I'm, I'm so screwed, man. And then he notices the hen decoy and just runs to her. And that's all I have was one, one hen decoy. I think it was a feeder. Um, Cause that's, I also do that now when I'm, when I'm running and gunning, I don't even like carrying two decoys anymore. It's just such a pain. They fall, they fall out of the back. You know, I'm down to just one hand decoy or zero when I'm running and gunning. So he runs up to it, man. And I don't know if he, I, I, I was like, I was a mess. I didn't have the gun. I was nervous. And now I'm like, well, dude, I, I don't know what, I don't know what to do with myself. The calls in my lap, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he runs up and I don't know if he attacked her or was trying to breed her, but he knocks her off the stake. She goes two feet up in the air and lands on the ground on the other side of the berm. So he comes out of strut and now, and he puts his head down below the berm. So I'm like, all right, this is my chance. Gotta grab the gun. And I pull it up, you know, I get the gun up and I'm like, dude, this thing's going to run away. Like this, this hen's on the ground, probably upside down. I don't know what it looks like. And he picked his head up and started looking around and you know, I smoked him. It was like probably less than a minute. It was that, that was is, the craziest turkey hunting experience I've ever had. That's that freaking amazing, awesome. Dude. Yeah, that's <laughs> that is fantastic. But um, you know, that was like you said, I bet you it was eleven forty five or twelve fifteen by the time I shot that thing. And that was just hunting all day. And I called my dad afterwards 
and I was talking to him on the way home and I'm like, dad, I got to tell you, like, I, I'll never do this. I'll still go out on opening day at four in the morning, but I have killed more birds now at between 10 and noon than I have at sunrise. Um, you know, I just think, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm no expert, but I just think that unless you get in there on them at less than a hundred yards and you guess where they're going to fly down or you know where they're going to fly down and you do it perfectly. I mean, you know, they go to their roost tree, they gobble at night and they bring hens with them. And then when they hit the ground, man, they follow those hens. Yep. And, I, I, I agree with you. I think you know, they're more, I think those loner toms and again, doing, I don't, I don't even want to say research, but nerding out on turkeys like I have in the last few years, like it, it even a lot of experts have said, if you don't roost one, one of the best things to do is just get high find out where one's gobbling, let it do its thing, and then try to figure out a place. If you can, if you know where they want to be, go there, go there. That's exactly how I killed my second one. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, it has worked for me and then patience, man, like today with Perry, it didn't happen, but being like the, and no offense, John, but the run and gun mentality, it, you would have missed that bird because it flew off. It pitched away from you gobbled walking away a lot of turkey hunters would have quit on that bird and would have went and tried to find another one you know i probably would have quit yeah and sticking it out for three hours we almost killed it and no idea why it didn't come in but i mean it it it's the and that is that i will say that is unpressured land right like hunting public it's a different bird hunting hunting pressured public if you're if you're on a big piece of public where you're not getting a whole lot of people then I, I haven't lived that life, but you can still do it. I, I ran into a guy at Fort Bragg opening, opening day. I think it was like during COVID 2020, there were, you know what I mean? It was COVID. Everybody was in the woods cause nobody was working. Um, that dude shot one at like noon and a ground blind that he put up in a field and sat there all, all morning. And I had started relatively close to that guy. And, uh, I think I was leaving. We were parked near each other and he was walking out with it. And I was like, dude, did you sit in that field all morning? And he was like, yeah, man, I just, that's what he does. Puts up a ground blind and sits there all day. Because they, I think we've talked about this before too, but I've, I've heard this on podcasts. I've read it. They're, a, the turkey's ability to pick up, like, you know, almost to like the, 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 the one meter square of where you call. Is it five? Five it's, meters, yeah. That's it's the, insane, that's man. The, They'll come back looking four hours, you know, a couple hours later. Especially if they respond. And that's the thing. That's what I told Perry because that turkey responded to us. When he was on the roost, I was just doing some small tree yelps, just some real quiet, soft tree yelps. And then when he pitched down, I could see him pitch down into the neighbors. And when he was on the ground, he gobbled and I called to him and he responded. And I told Perry, I said, I I do not think we should move. I think that bird is going to come find us before the day's over. As long as he doesn't get killed on the neighbor's property, I think he's going to come back based off of everything I've seen. And again, I am not an expert. I do not want to pretend like I am, but I have done my, a little bit of learning on it. You know, I've read about everything I can get my hands on and listen to about every podcast I listen to about it. And it, I mean, it, they all say if they're, if they're respond or if they're responding to you early morning, sit still and wait it out. And dude, there's, there's a the science to back it up. You know, the wild Turkey doc has talked about it where they had the, the GPS on turkeys and they had, the hunters with the GPS and 
you know, three hours after where a hunter was, the turkey comes within five meters. And that's where I, that's where that number comes from is within five meters of that hunter's location time and time and time and time again, you know? And so like, it's, it's hard to argue with that science. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's kind of where, and, and, and so I'm talking to my dad on the way home from killing that first bird. And he said, he was like, man, last year, him and my brother-in-law, I think they killed three on public in New York. And he said, dude, we killed all of ours. And I think one, I think maybe on two of them, they didn't even get out there until nine o'clock, let everybody get in there and mess the woods up, push them around, go in late. And then when those hens go to, to nest, they're lonely again, you know, and that's when you can, that's when you can get them to fully commit. It's but you just got to, but if you sit still like that too, man, you got to have the right equipment and whether that's, yeah, or like you got to set yourself up for success and whether that's a ground blind, but comfort's a big thing. Like you don't, I mean, dude, I got a, I got a pretty good, I, you know, I got like a, whatever, probably a 10 year old vest from Cabela's, but it's got a pretty good foam seat on it. But people dude, don't realize, I, man, you can't sit at the base of a tree for more than 25 minutes without moving. If you don't have a good seat, it's impossible. Bro, I, I put another, uh in one of my decoy bags. Cause I, I put my decoys in the, in the bags that come in from avian X that they give you. And I use it as like my carrying sack. Like I have a roll of toilet paper in there. I put my extra water bottles in there. I put my decoy stakes in there. And then I put one of those small little portable hunting cushions in there to, to add in to my Turkey vest cushion for those long. It's, it's, it's so critical. I got, I got double thick cushion, or I can use it for lower back support if I need to. Or like you were talking That's about. That's the other thing, lower back support. I mean, especially if you're sitting, like I said, with the slope down behind you, your lower back, you need some support sometimes. Well, so what I started doing too is, A, it works out great on those cold mornings, is I'll put uh, a jacket in my turkey vest because I carry my decoys in the bags. And so I put a jacket in my turkey vest and then that adds like lower back support. I've got it almost down to a science. I need yeah. to figure. I need to figure out my snack situation a little better. And once Snacks, I get that yeah. tuned in, then I'm good to go. <laughs> but like rain gear too, right? Bug spray or a thermosel. Like if you're gonna sit like that for three hours, you got to be set up for comfort because you're. It's mind blowing, man. Like I, you bring people out. I remember when I brought Andrew out to your guys' property, and like, like, dude, you need. I tell everybody, I'm like, like, what do I need to go turkey hunting with you? I'm like, dude, you don't need anything but a shotgun, in a in a stool, a cushion something because dude, and I've done it a thousand times. I, I went out without my vest this year because I was just sick of lugging stuff around. You sit down for four minutes and you're comfortable. The fifth minute comes around and you feel every single stick, pine needle, you know, bug crawling underneath you. It's like you get uncomfortable real fast. And if you can't sit still, you're not killing a bird. Not a, not a good time. That's for sure. Especially without decoys. Let's hear that other story, man. Uh, the other one. Um, so just kind of like you said, man, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't have anything roosted. People were everywhere. So I just drove around until I couldn't, I got into a spot where I thought there were no trucks or I hadn't seen trucks for a while. And I'm on an X just looking at the topography, trying to find some high ground. And I just went up there and I stood and I knew that, you know, about half hour before sunrise, they'd start gobbling. I heard this one. I mean, dude, it had to have been 800 meters away. And I tucked and it was like past my truck and then, you know, another 400 yards back to my truck. And then it sounded like way past that. And I went at a full sprint down the logging trail, across the road, sprinting through the fucking woods, man. Cause, and you know, you, you don't know when they're going to stop gobbling. Cause I don't think I heard him until about 15 minutes before sunrise. So about 15 minutes before I assumed they were going to fly down and I just moved quick, man. 
and luckily this bird ended up gobbling until about nine thirty. Um, and I ended up, I find it, I figured out that, and I think there were like three or four, man. I, I ended up, I was just covered up. I couldn't see any of them, but I was where like, I'm like, I'm within 200 yards of these birds and you need, even if you don't have cell service, man, like I have, cause I don't out there, I have all the Onyx like offline map saved. Cause you need to be able to look at that topography and like drop pins. And I'm like, okay, based on where this thing's gobbling. And, and, and it's also kind of hard to tell, even if they turn their head away from you, they can sound like they're a lot further than they are, but you got to think to yourself, like, where is this thing? Um, and based on the topography, I figured he was on this ridge line, either right in front of me or, or down it in the bottom. So I could tell that they were moving to my right. I wrapped, you know, horseshoe, like you talked about, try to get out in front of them stalked in there all quiet and then you know next thing you know they're gobbling 200 yards past me like i missed them i shortcut them they're already gone i did it again took another big wide horseshoe they were out in front of me again i'm like man these things are moving so i ripped i must have run 400 yards this time then i slowly made my approach down back down to the creek bottom put out one decoy and i got set up in the direction i thought they were going to come hit the call again and gobbles behind me. So the thing had gotten past me again for the third time that morning. And it's, I think it's probably about nine o'clock this time, but th- I mean, they were moving. Um, and I could hear there were a lot of hens and there were a- at least two gobblers. And this is, I-, I talked about this on the last podcast too, but like when I hear that gobble and I, the woods, you know, just like regular hardwood bottom where you can see 120 yards, but like it's still thick enough that you can move a bit. That thing gobbled behind me. Dude, I got up and ran 20 yards past my decoy and sat down because I don't like him coming in behind me. Well, I mean, one, you never know where it is. You know what I mean? And you can't check your phone. I don't know if I can check my calls. Like I, if you hear him gobble, even if you're in the best, this best spot, the best tree, I run to the other side of my decoy. So I think it's going to come in straight on. Um, I started seeing some hen movement at like 150 yards and I'm like, all right, I just need to sit still. And that's it, man. After that first gobble, I didn't, I set my call down and I'm like, I'm not, I'm done. There is that, it's either coming or he's not, you know, I'll wait 30, 40 minutes before, and I'll, I'll probably just move again if he doesn't come in. Cause I know they're, they're still moving, but I'm not, I'm not going to call anymore. So I tell myself, right. Obviously that's not always <laughs> how it works out because I got antsy, but it's the hardest thing in the world. It's impossible, so <laughs> but I, so that I see the hens come in and I see this one hen work out in front of me, like 200 yards and kind of go up this hill. And you know, a, a small hill, maybe like 20, you know, 20 feet up. I see him at full straw, like 200 yards, you know, and I'm just watching. I'm like, all right, this, this thing will be in here in like five or 10 minutes. Not what happened. 20 or 30 minutes later, I catch a glimpse again. I'm, I keep pulling the binoculars up, trying to find them. And like I said earlier, at one point I see him tuck tail and just start running. And that's when I had the binos up and I'm like, man, there's, there's no way this bird saw me, man. I could, I am at 200 yards and he ran through into this little like uh draw or like a holler chasing a hen or maybe a jig, but chasing something. So that's when I'm like, all right, I'm going to call again, pick up my call, hit a cut and dude, 15 yards, this hen just erupts and she's fans out comes in and i'm just like oh pissed Mother. off <laughs> and, you know and again i got i think again i think i had my gun down call from but right like i called <laughs> probably 25 minutes prior that thing knew yeah. where i was yeah. and she had gone up the hill 
and looped. I don't know if she would try to get high ground on me or what, but I will say something, up, man, like something about this season. I've really enjoyed pissing off hens. And like every time I get a hen worked up, I feel happy for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just like making hens mad. Yeah. So, I mean, that thing, she was all, she's all pissed off. She comes running in, pecking at the decoy. But when she was in there, I mean, she was, she was calling up a storm and now she's, I didn't put myself in the best position because I had gotten up and run because they were behind me to get on the other side of the decoy. The decoy is at like seven yards. You said she <laughs> so, was pecking at the decoy. Yeah, That's so awesome. I'm sitting dude. there and I'm like, no, nah, I got to get my gun up because now she's calling, calling. And I'm like, if this is the, if this is the dominant hen, this boy's going to come in and kind of the same path she came on full strut, top of that hill, not really, you know, small hill. Here he is, starts coming down. And about the time he got in range, she's still messing with the decoy. Um, but I mean, I saw him at full strut walking towards me. I mean, dude, this, this whole process must've been like an hour, you know, it was, it was a long encounter. So he starts coming down the hill and there's a tree at like a, you know, a falling down tree, like a 45 degree angle. His head goes behind it. And I pick my gun up because I'm like, this. he's going he's gonna to take three more steps and I'm going to shoot him over the top of this falling down tree. I pick the gun up and the hen starts doing like the scared cluck. And I'm like, oh my God. And he stops, you know, and I'm looking at his feet in the top of this man and his head is not visible. And I'm like, this is wonderful. So now, I mean, yeah, I had to leave the gun up off my knees. I'm shooting a 12 gauge with a 28 inch barrel, right? So it's like a whatever, eight or nine pound gun. Four or five minutes go by. That thing's heavy, man. I'm shaking like <laughs> I'm shaking. Yeah, it's real heavy. So I, I thought I was done. I was literally going through my head like, because he's probably at 25 yards. I'm like, should I just stand up? Do I just stand up and go for it? What do I? He's gonna start moving at some point. Luckily, for the first time ever, she calmed down and went back to feeding. And I was like, I just got away with murder there. Put the gun back that on my lucky. knee. Yeah. Put the gun that back is... on my knee, man, and just watched this thing's feet for 10 minutes. Didn't move. He just, like, did 360s in, in a full strut. Was he spitting and drumming? No. Could you hear him Never spitting? gobbled no. out there. Now they're the first bird. I'm, that bird never he gobbled out there. wasn't spitting and drumming? Nope. Just full. Really? But there's still hens moving around in the distance and stuff. So he moves again, and, like, over the top of the tree, I have, like, you know, I can just barely see the top of his head. And then there's another tree that he's about to step in front of. So he steps behind that. I pull the gun up again. The thing just, I'm watching the back of his fan, his head's behind this tree. And I'm like, all right, I can either wait for him to go like six feet to my left. Or if he goes a foot, I literally had at 10 yards, about a three inch gap in these trees to shoot. You know, and I'm like, man, hopefully this, hopefully this extra full chokes gets through there. <laughs> you know? He stepped in and I shot and it worked out. But, you know, again, you know, I killed that bird. I'll have to go back and look at the pictures, but I bet it was close to 10 o'clock. And I started chasing him at sunrise. Before sunrise. That is amazing, man. That pumps me up. I love it. I love it. It's like I said, I'll probably, I'll probably never do it because I, I won't be able to sleep and I'm, I'm going to go out there at sunrise no matter what. But that's now, I think, four birds in a row that got killed after 9 o'clock for me. And you watch Some all the videos it. on Instagram, right? Where everyone's on private land and they, they kill the bird man and it's still dark in the field. You're like, yeah. why can't this I, happen never, to me? Dude, yeah. I've never experienced that. I hunt private land. I've never experienced that. Most of my birds have been after 10. One of the birds I killed last year was at four in the evening. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, I was just looking at the Fort Benning hunting club uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago, and some dude said he killed some bird at 6.45 p.m., you know, right before the roost. Yeah. Had a hen decoy out, and he came in. You had an awesome season, though, man. That's fantastic. That pumps me up. I would like yeah, to. That's, that's the fastest I've, I've done it. We need to start doing better about – we need to get tactic cams and start filming our hunts, man. We got a discount. Yeah, I know. I need it. I need to get on that. I said I was going to have it before this year, and I just didn't. Those attorney bills got the better of me, you know. There's always something. I don't have a discount on those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank God that's behind me. <laughs> no, that's awesome, John. That's that's good stuff, man. That's uh. What Carter? Tell us about yours, man. It was it was kind of like John. It was the most insane turkey hunt I've ever experienced. It was <laughs> it it was like something off of TV. I mean it it didn't. I I told Perry I said that like I last year spoiled me because I tagged out and I had some amazing hunts. Um, like the turkeys made me work for them last year, and I worked for this one this year. But it it was just unreal. So um, a little little backstory: the the situation I was in is I wasn't hunting our family farm. I was hunting a farm that no one has access to turkey hunt because it's literally like thirty five hundred acres and it's under a hunting lease, and the guy has exclusive hunting hunting rights, but he doesn't really turkey hunt. He mostly deer hunts and he's a friend or sorry. Yeah. He, he's a friend of our uncle and our uncle's best friend's father His one of his lifelong goals has been to kill a turkey. And so long story short, a favor of a favor. And then Lance knowing how much I love turkeys and how much time I've spent learning how to call and stuff like that. Lance said, if you take, um, my buddy's dad turkey hunting you'll get to you'll get to hunt there as well and i was like that's a that's an easy day for me you know i would <laughs> even if i didn't get to hunt i would absolutely do that to to help a you know late 70s year old man get his first turkey you know it was a it was a dream of his for whatever reason he's never killed a turkey and he wanted to anyway so we go out there and boys i'm telling you i've never experienced anything like this and probably never will it is truly like you see like michael waddell on his you know on his shows where there's just turkeys gobbling everywhere. I mean, we had, we probably had eight birds responding to us on the roost. I mean, it, it was just stupid. It didn't make sense. It was almost frustrating because you didn't know which direction to face. You know what I mean? Right. Like it was, it was crazy. And there was one that was roosted within 150 yards and that was the one we targeted. Um, and it ended up, well, I say it ended up working out. He ended up coming in. Um, the, the, the guy didn't get a shot. I think, I think, you know, 70 year old man's not the, not the most steel person, even with the <laughs> little, we tried to brush him in as much as we could, but you know, he, he couldn't get comfortable. He was cramping and, um, stuff like that. And I, I think he ended up spooking a bird that I'd been working long story short. Uh, the first part of the day I spent, you know, trying to get him on a bird, had a lot of activity a few birds came in, but not where he could get a shot. Um, and that's okay. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Again, he's in his late seventies. It needed to be perfect. Basically. You know, we honestly, we weren't set up for someone that we needed to be in a pop-up blind, you know what I mean? But we, we weren't, um, it didn't work out. He got tired, called it a day. And so I was just like, well, I'm going to hunt until I can't. 
So I honestly wasn't really op- optimistic. We didn't have a lot of interaction. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I got a work text. Uh, I, I wasn't very optimistic because of we we got we got busted uh, that morning, you know, by a, a bird or two, and um, so I just started walking around. It wasn't a, the the field we were or the the field the the area we were in. It wasn't massive. It was only a little over a hundred acres, which is decent, but it's not huge when you're you know when you've already been hunting all day. And so I just went to some thick pines uh, with a little bit of hardwoods intermingled in them, um, where we had heard some gobbles early, kind of far off. And I just went a little bit towards that way and I spooked a bird. Um, and it looked big. It looked, it flew, but it did not look like a hen. It looked, I don't know. It just, it, something told me it was a gobbler. And I was like, okay, well that doesn't mean I'm it's over with. And it's about 10, 15 at this point. And so what I did is I just did like you were talking about, John, I, I looked at Onyx and looked at topography and found um, some spurs that were a little bit below towards the direction it flew. And I just like clover leaved back out and then went down that spur across the fence, stayed on the property, crossed that fence, and then just real quietly eased down that spur uh, about a hundred yards. Cause it was really steep country. And it's 1045 by the time I'm set up, I can only hunt till noon. Um, and I'm literally sitting down. I, I did some, did some cuts and yelps standing next to the tree that I decided I was going to post up at no response, sat down. Like I say, not optimistic at all. It's 1045. I just spooked a Turkey. We busted some that morning at this point. I'm just enjoying being outside. I like my shotguns laying next to me. I'm peeling an orange, eating deer jerky, drinking water. You know, my face mask isn't on. My legs are crossed. I'm just like leaned back. I couldn't sleep the night before. I got up at one. So I'm like, man, this is going to be a great spot to take a little nap. You know, I'm like about to set the alarm in my phone for noon. <laughs> and like, then I hear a gobble. And I'm like, okay. Well, I couldn't really tell where it was because it's in the middle of the woods and it's in the mountains and all the terrain around me. Um, and so I stand up and I did have my hoodie up and I pulled my hoodie back just so I could listen. And then I hear a gobble in a direction that didn't sound like the first one. I'm like, okay, well that could be, you know, the sound reverberating off the mountains playing tricks with me. I'm not sure. So I'm just listening. Well, then I hear one complete opposite way. And now I'm confused and none of them are close. You know, they all distant and y'all know how it is when they're distant. It's even harder to pinpoint where they're coming so from. So hard. And so now I'm just like, what is going on? Okay. So I just took a gamble and did some aggressive cuts. And then two of them respond. I'm like, okay, that's two different birds. Well, then the third one responds. And I'm like, oh, so it is three birds. I waited about 10 minutes. A few of them gobbled. Didn't really sound like they were getting closer. Then I just did a like a relatively soft Yelp sequence. And the one that was one, they all three responded. And the one that sounded the closest, I kind of went towards him a little bit. Again, none of them are really close, but I went to position myself where I thought I would have the best opportunity for him. Well, after I set up on him and I start calling to him, one of the ones that was behind me is now, he must've been hot to trot because now he's super close and he's coming in all fired up, but I still have time because I could tell where he was. And I knew the terrain pretty well. And so now I go back up to where I originally was about 75 yards, set up on a different tree. And then 
work this guy. And when I say this bird was fired up, I mean, it was, it was literally like the most ideal turkey hunting situation you could imagine if you were only working one bird. And honestly, having three coming in and responsive ended up almost <laughs> ruining the hunt for me because like you, you don't know which way to face. You know what I mean? Like it, it you truly, and like I didn't have decoys. It's just me. I left my decoys with those guys. Um, so it's just me and my mouth call. And so this bird is, I mean, just, I can't, I can't even, but it's like, he knows I put the call in my mouth and he's got one. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just, it, he is so vocal. So I just shut up at this point and just let him do the work. Um, and he, he comes in and then I see that white head at about 15 yards. And it's kind of like you, John, I set myself up to where the only clear lane I had was going to be a kill shot. Um, but of course he found one little spot through some thick shit where I could see his white head moving from left to right. And I couldn't shoot him. And he was walking up towards that kill shot, but then he was behind a tree. So he like kind of went backtracked a little bit and then he gets behind some barberries and I can hear him spitting and drumming. And he's so close. He's gobbling. You know how, like when they're facing towards you and they're gobbling and like, you can feel the sound waves. Like it almost feels like the ground's vibrating. Yeah. It's insane. And like it, I was trying to tell Perry, like, dude, when, until you've experienced that, it's it's insane how loud a turkey can be when they're facing at you and gobble at you under 20 yards away, you know, um, and in the woods. So everything, you know, well, so then this goes on for he's within 15 yards, gobbling his nuts off behind barberries. I can't see him spitting and drumming. I can see the top of his fan over top of the barberries, kind of like you were saying, John, basically doing 360s, you know, just kind of <laughs> yeah. doing that. And the barberries were like just as wide as the path he was walking back and forth on, you know, of course, naturally couldn't see his head at all. Just the top of his fan can hear him spitting and drumming. These two nutsack toms behind me, they're still gobbling their ass off. And then they must've linked up together. So they must've came together because then they're gobbling literally. And they sound like they're in the same spot. Well, then I hear leaves off to my left. And so I turned my head and I was stupid because I didn't turn my shotgun. But the reason I didn't turn my shotgun is because my shotgun would have protruded out past the tree. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I didn't want them to see that movement. So I just turned my head. But as I turned my head, then I see this red head and he's at five yards. (laughs) Five freaking (laughs) yards, man. Well, he goes behind a big tree. And I, again, just being excited, I knew there was two. But when he went behind that tree, I didn't know how close the other one was. I should have known better, but I thought like the, the first one went behind the tree. I turned to get my shotgun on him because the one in front of me is behind the barberries. I know it can't right. see me. So the first one of the second one of the pair goes behind that tree. I turn my shotgun. Well, then as I turn my shotgun, I see number two and he starts doing the death putt. And I'm just uh. like, oh no. And so he puts... Then the second one from the pair starts putting and they start going down the steep hill. And so I take like a second and a half pause and it's kind of like what you were saying, John, like I either got to stand up and take a gamble right now or I'm busted. Cause once they put like, you got lucky with, Oh, that you're hand, yeah, it's, you it's, it's, like, it's death. Yeah. It's death. Yeah. And so I just decided to do it. I mean, again, it was at five yards. So I thought if I'd stand up real quick, he might be at 15. 
right. stand up. I can't see either one of those two. They must have cut down and back. Well, then I'm like, well, there's another bird out here. So I turn towards the front and that guy, I can see him. He's starting to, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. You know what I mean? He was yeah, up there. All his head back up. And forth. Yeah. And he, he is, he's bobbing his head back and forth and going away from me though. He's just like yeah. two birds came in then started putting. He didn't know, have a clue. He's walking away from me. He's probably at, I don't know. He was a pretty good clip. I mean, he was probably at the max range of my shotgun, maybe 40 meters, 45 yards. I don't know, somewhere in there, but it was an open shot. I took the shot, fold him up, but he's flopping hard. Like he's doing the, his hit, like I hit him and he's down, but his head's still up. You know what I mean? Which isn't a good sign. Oh yeah, dude. And my dad so flopped I, one like that a couple years ago. And by the time yeah. we shot to it, it got up and flew away. So, so, dude, I sprint at this bird, run like through the barberries, almost eat the fucking barrel of my shotgun, and <laughs> take like catch unsafe. my breath. On safe, of course. It was on safe. I did put it on <laughs> safe. <laughs> like I'm running through the woods. This guy's moving. I get a shot. Take another shot. Then he. Then oh, he, he was still threw. moving. He was. He was running. He wasn't running. He was just. He was like doing the flop, but he was mm-hmm. laying on his. He was laying on his belly, and his head was up. So the first shot folded him. He went down, like it knocked him down, rolled him. Yeah. And then he's on his belly and he's flapping, but his head's up. And I didn't want him to get his feet underneath him. You know what I mean? So I just took off running right at him and just put the bead on him and shot. Um, And then that, that put him down pretty good. But then I just went up and grabbed his neck, you know, and then it's game over at that point. Once you get your hands on him, it's, it's done and dude, but it was, it was insanity. I mean, it was, calling in three birds from three different directions at the same time, all converging in one point with nothing but a mouth call, no decoys. Like it was, it was fun, but it was, man, my heart was, (laughs) I was sweating. Yeah. I mean, anybody who is, who has hunted and had close experience like that and missed or, or you've been there, like there, there are times, man, where you got to make that call of, when when they start doing that, I don't even know what to call it. It's a putt. it's a putt, a yeah. It's but a putt. when they do that and they're walking and their heads bobbing, yep. and they start moving faster than they're, you know, the faster than they came in, that's it. It's gone. Yeah. The, the, the gig yeah. is up. You gotta, you gotta make a move. Yeah, and, and that's, sometimes that's, that's just the, standing up and blasting. Well, that's the real thing, right? And that's the thing you don't see on the on the Michael Waddell type hunting shows. And I love Michael Waddell, but like you don't you don't really see that in in those TV and that's what I love about the hunting public is those guys show those moments you know those moments that are kind of the freak moments of yeah. getting lucky you know the other guys it's always so perfect you know what i mean it's always the three b- birds coming in charging and fucking up the decoy and fighting you know what i mean and then the one guy sticks his neck out and gets blasted and rolled and dropped you know yeah, and then the other four sit around and stomp them, and then the other two yeah. buddies that are there get to yeah, shoot their birds too. You know, and you're yeah, like, exactly. what? Yeah. what is going on? Yeah, but it was it was a blast, man. It was so much fun, and all that. So, like I say, I sat down on that spot at 10:45, and I looked at my I Facetimed my wife as soon as I killed that bird, um, and or as soon as I was like got to him and he stopped flopping, and it was like 11:45, so. Yeah, man, I think the the moral of the whole podcast, at least for our, our experience this year, is like it's not – man, you're not out of it at, at 7.30 when there's no birds got one. 
Yeah. I mean, between April 1st and 11th, I didn't hear a bird gobble, you know, until I killed yeah. the second one. But that, that, that first day that I went out, I didn't even hear a bird gobble and I killed it at 1130. Yeah. But that's a good time. It's if, if you don't get lucky in that first hour or two, and that's kind of where I'm at. I'll, I'll sit because I don't run and gun until about eight, at least 830. I give it at least an hour than being on the ground before I do it. Because like you said, like you know, it took you three hours to get that one this morning, but. Sometimes they'll come back. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first the first bird I ever called in myself, I called him off of, and I think I've told this story before, but it was just an unreal experience too. I called him from three properties over. I am not shitting you. I did a straight line pull. It was over a mile, right? We're talking over a thousand meters. He crossed four fences and a road to get to me. You know, like insane. But it took- it took three hours and 15 minutes. The first time he responded to me was like seven o'clock on the, like maybe not on the roost, but not long after flying down. And I didn't kill him till after 10, you know? And it was just, and he wasn't gobbling a lot either. And that's, that was the frustrating part. Like I could see him periodically coming towards me, like crossing neighbors. Cause I was on one Ridge and he was on an opposing Ridge. And it was this big, y'all know where I'm talking about, the backside of our property up past Nine Point. It's I was on that ridge line, but up towards the power line at the northeast corner. Where me and you sat, Carter, where we had those birds come by us. That's where I started, where I built that little like natural redneck blind with all the piled up wood. And dude, three hours worked that bird. Yeah, I mean, I think for like, and I've, I've learned this before over the years, but there's a thousand different variables, right? And you can never remember... <laughs> You, know, you can't remember all your hunting experiences every year. Um, but I hope that I remember for future years, what I've learned this year is uh, in the big, you know, in the big, if they're hand up in the beginning, but they're still gobbling and you know where they are, you almost got to bring the fight to them, but you can't follow them. You got to get out in front and make them just walk into your setup, your calls, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but then, and, you know, and I said, I, I said how much I don't like turkey hunting because it's miserable and there's bugs and rain and sometimes they're not gobbling. But that that nine to noon time frame has been very good to me the last couple of years. So stay in the woods. Yeah, that's that's something me and Perry talked about today is the patience aspect of it. Like uh, it. I think most guys it turn it in around nine or nine thirty, and I yeah. want to turn it in. You know what I mean? That's when you're. If you didn't bring snacks, you're starving. If you did, they're gone already. <laughs> you're starting <laughs> you know? to get hungry. Well, Carter, you remember last year when our our uh, beloved family member busted Perry and he got mad and left, and then I killed a bird that day. I do. You know, I like do. that's a prime example. Like he and I can't blame him. If if what happened to him happened to me, I probably would have got pissed and left too. But you know, if he would have stuck it out, he could have killed one. Like that's the old the old adage of you can't kill him from the couch. You know. What's the uh, biggest thing that you think? Not reality. Yeah, no kidding. What's the biggest thing you think uh, you've picked up this season, Evan? Um, oh boy, that's tough because I've I've had a lot of hard lessons reinforced. I messed up um, on opening weekend. I messed up a hunt, and I knew better. And I think it was knocking the rust off. Um, I got one to respond, and I got over aggressive trying to move to him. And I moved through some sun and I knew he had hens. I heard the hens and knowing how turkeys move. A lot of times the hens are significantly in front of the toms um, and hit the lead hen busted me. And so I messed up the hunt by trying to move through the sun, through the cutover. 
The other one is patience, like we just talked about. Like mine and Perry's example today uh, is a perfect example of that. And then the where I killed the bird. You know, if I would have packed it in after those guys that I was hunting with called it quits and we spooked a few birds, you know, a lot of people think your hunt's over when if you spook one. It's definitely not. And you know, my my success this year so far was a testament to that. So honestly, patience and then patience because the first one if i would have sat still when i got that one to respond he he might have worked to me so hell yeah that's huge man well i'm stoked that you guys had fantastic seasons and yours isn't done evan so that's awesome yeah i mean i i told perry like i'm i'm probably not gonna hunt our farm this year just because i tagged out there last year and he's working a bird and that's the one it's the one mature bird we're seeing consistently and he's kind of already got claim to that. And I want to help him. I want to help him with that. I would love to be there for that. So I'm going to hunt some other properties and I got one. And honestly, if I just, if I end the season with one this year, I will be tickled pink. It'd be kind of perfect if you were there with Perry when he kills it. That's what I was thinking. And I don't, I want, I want him to get it. I don't have any desire to, to kill that bird or, to honestly kill any bird on our farm because I, I did land. I, I spent the time just doing the classic driving around, knocking on doors, <laughs> asking for permission. I actually got, dude, really? I don't want to brag, but I got access to almost 2,000 acres of hunting up wait. there in the mountains now this year. Yeah. Big brand. Now, that's not, that's not one, that's not one track. That's, you know, a bunch of hundred acre tracks broken up or a few hundred acre tracks broken up between local farmers and friends, but. So I'm probably not going to hunt peach bottom much anymore this year. Is that your field with those gobblers in it? Yeah, seriously. One guy, <laughs> dude, he he literally had three strutters and like four hens out the week, <laughs> the the Friday before the opener. That was actually, you know where I showed y'all that, I sent y'all that video? Yeah. Yeah. That was that guy's land. And he was like, no, nah, man, you can't hunt here. It's a liability thing. And I'm like, brother, please, please, please. I'm not going to sue you if I get hurt. <laughs> He's like, no, nah, man, everybody says that. I'm like, well, it's your land. You have that right. But <laughs> but you're wrong. Hell yeah. That's sweet. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, if you're listening and you, and you haven't hunted, get out there. Because Perry and Evan had that land for years and never did it. And maybe you'll turn into Evan and. Turkey hunting will be your thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I started turkey hunting at 28 and hooked. Or you could be like John and despise it, but still do it just because. <laughs> still leave the house at 2.30 on open <laughs> morning to go do it, you know? Like, and bitch about it the whole time. I don't, hate it. I don't hate it. It's just the least favorite hunting, you know? But it's still it's still addicting, man. It's, yeah. you know, when you're successful, it's. It is. There is nothing life having a, having a you know, bird gobble it right in your face. It's crazy. It is. It is. Absolutely. John, you got any uh, closing thoughts for us here? I think I hit on it, man. Just get If you've never done it, get out in the woods because, you you know, it might become a, a lifelong passion. And you don't, you can, you, you already have the equipment probably. You, you, all you need is a stool and a shotgun. And then uh, don't be like every other new person and, and leave at 830 because I 
I mean, I got to think about it, but I seriously, man, I don't even, I don't think I've killed a bird before nine o'clock last three years. John, stop telling the secrets. No guys, leave at eight 30. That <laughs> yeah, way exactly. there's more out there for me and John. You're, and Carter. you're not going to kill one. Yeah. <laughs> stay in the woods. Yeah. You're not, you're, you don't, as a matter of fact, y'all don't go hunting turkeys. Y'all just stick with hunting. I don't know. Something else. Yeah. There's no point. You're not going to kill one. Stay home. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Evan? What do you got, man? Nothing, you know, nothing except I'm just happy to be here. You, you, you know me, Carter. Anytime we're talking turkeys, I'm ready to do it. So, my wife was making fun of me today about. <laughs> she's like, she said, <laughs> she's going to be able to tell this story, you know, in her sleep as many times as she's heard it in the last. When did I kill that bird? <laughs> Yesterday morning. She's like, as many times as I've heard this story in the last 24 hours, I'm going to be able to recite the whole thing verbatim. And I'm like, well, like I said, it could be meth. So. My closing comments are just happy to be here, dude. Love talking turkeys. Do it anytime. That's going to be the name of the episode. What's up? Just happy to be here. Talking (laughs) turkeys. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Well, appreciate it, fellas. Always good to catch up. And listeners, as always, appreciate the hell to you guys. And we'll talk to you next week.